2: LMFM Sunday Sport
0: with thanks to the LMFM app. Download for free now and take us with you everywhere
2: you go. I'm joined in studio by John and He's been with us since just after three o'clock and we'll be here for another little while yet as well. John, we were just chatting uh, before the ad break about uh, you know your, your love of Manchester United and everything else. When I was looking... This morning for a photograph of you from uh, to put up on social media, I found one from 1996 with Drogheda. yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Is that actually is that John Flanagan?" But yeah, it was like it was actually it looked like the old it looked like a, a, a maroon version of the famous grey Manchester United shirt uh, that they wore when they they changed. I know the picture. I know the picture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're only a fresh face, young fellow, That's 96. What age would you have been then?
1: 96. I, I think I was. I was in sixth year when I made my debut. I think I was 17. Right. Seventeen, yeah, I remember, I remember that. The, there, was a, there was a couple of us. We, it was a great area for the town that year. with those our own under eight, draw the boys on the eighteens and the year below us that had won. They won the the FEI Junior Cup, or sorry, FEI Cup the year after. But there was seven or eight young lads from that team went on to the first team that year. I think it was under Anto Whelan and Liam O'Brien. Right, and we 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 got promoted that year. But it was great amount of talent in the town and that's why it's a shame you don't see it as much at the moment Mm. because there is so much talent in this town if it can be harnessed correctly which I know they're working hard to try and do yeah but yeah, I can. I think that picture's a home of Mam's wall. I know, I know the one you're talking to.
2: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just, I, I actually had to look at it twice because I wasn't sure if it was you or not. But I saw, on the small print underneath it was John Fanning, and I was like, there he was as a, as a yeah. young lad. Um, and like you know, so you started with Drogheda. Obviously, people probably m- more associated yeah. with Dundalk. But um, so for people that aren't kind of aware, you might just give us a, a little kind of a quick overview of your career. Galway we've got it back to a point by the way in Croke Park with uh, four minutes to go. So you started with Drogheda, it, and uh, yeah, how did it go from there?
1: Yeah, we started, I suppose, underage with Drogheda. I suppose we go back to just on the under-18s. And that year, there was, Jim McLaughlin was in charge of the first team. He used to bring a couple of lads, just training every week, just, just to be with the first team. And it was myself and Alan Murphy that year, we went on to play with Longford and, and Shelburne and that. And we kind of got, got our debuts, played with the reserves. And then the following year, there were six or seven young, young locals in, in the first team. We got promoted that year, and then the following year, there was a lot of us let go kind of broadening off back in the time when a lot of say, experienced players from the league always kind of mm. swept, swept in and I went down on loan to Home Farm Everton for the year I enjoyed that and then from there I went to Dundalk and Dundalk for a good while I think it was four or five seasons at that stage and um, again got promoted and what happened then went well, back to draw for two years mm. when they were in the Premier Division on, under Harry McHugh and at a year Paul Dolan. But they went full-time, and I, I obviously have been teaching away, so didn't want to give up the career, so I went back to Dundalk again. Right. <laughs> and the same thing happened, obviously, then we a couple, another four years, I think I nine seasons with Dundalk in total, so right. four more, won the first division, and they, they were turning full-time again, so I was at 31, 32 at that stage, and I'm getting plenty of injuries, so I just said, enough's enough, I I'm like, I'm haven't the body to go full-time, so yeah. I, I retired. Right, a thirty-one. I think it was thirty-one or 32, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Thirteen years in the League world, Yeah,
2: right. Okay, and because um, I know you'd, you you would have crossed paths with Paul Crowley, right? Because Paul would be doing uh, co-cons with yeah. me.
1: Paul's a legend. Played played a couple of years with Paul. He's he's definitely someone that you, you want on your side. He, I mean, if you are in the trenches and as we were in those days in in the first division, mm. Paul's someone you wanted. He's a great, a great leader. Led by example, he scored plenty of important goals for and more than great lad. Yeah, I mean, he's a great lad and. I know when I packed it in, he, he came to Drogheda then, and he still had a couple of good years in him there, and he'd done really, really good work for Drogheda as well. So
2: Yeah, and more than yourself on, on analysis with with, um, with Adrian every week, I suppose yourself and him and myself and Paul are kind of yeah. embedded in now on the on the respective uh, home games for Drogheda and Dundalk, and you're obviously an expert analyst at this point, you're well used to picking stuff out, but the thing I found with Paul, especially at the beginning when I was sort of starting to get to know him we were working together, he would... You know, the obvious stuff we can all see but he would spot things that I wouldn't see that most people wouldn't see and he'd point it out and then you'd notice it again and again and you go you know I didn't really see that he's got a great kind of brain for the game of I the have a,
1: and in fairness to him he he, he went on and he, he educated himself he'd he done a great job locally managing and then he went on and done his UEFA B licence I think he's studying for his A license. He, he, he really developed himself and he, he's a very good coach and as you said, in this sometimes you can kind of see that from a player's perspective. When well, they're that position, they're a bit out there. They should be tighter, tucked around here, or they should be making the runs from here to here. And as you said, when it's pointed out to you, ah, yeah, I see it now. Yeah. Whereas you just probably, have been in that position so many times yourself, if you understand it, but but Paul, he's a great way of getting that message across as well.
2: Yeah, no, he's a really good, really good lad for that. And you're enjoying the, you're enjoying the the, the weekly uh, co-com job with Adrian. Not, I know you have to put up with Adrian Taff, yeah. but other than that.
1: I have to give him his, k- his kudos. He's he's great. I I rock up and we just talk football for a couple of hours. But he, he, no more than yourself. It's serious work behind the scenes is, that goes into that, that the research, especially since it's gone, yeah. L O I as well as L M F M, with with interviews and and, and research and, and stats. And it does hours and hours that people don't see. The people, the likes of myself and Paul, we just we just talk, rock up and you have all, the, yeah, all it there in front is, you of it you. Easy. <laughs> yeah, we have we definitely have the easy part. But you know, Adrian's great and ultra professional. But I'm loving it. It's great and. It's a great way of keeping involved and going to games because it, it, you could be sitting at home on Friday after work oh, I don't fancy going mm-hmm. to that game tonight. But then you, it gets you out the door and it keeps you involved and you're talking to people, you're meeting players you used to play with or a lot of them some are managers now and yeah. you're just talking to people. It's a great way to keep involved and and basically like I all, we, we all love talking crap about football for a couple yeah. of hours. It's great.
2: And the thing about it, like, I mean, we obviously, and this is this is by no means a, a, an ad for LOITB or anything like that because LMFM have long since been home and away at all the games and we continue to do that and the online um, broadcast for games now are massive and we've got, this, we've got a huge amount of people listening every week as well. But to think that a couple of years ago, prior to COVID, I suppose, you, if you wanted to watch a League of Ireland match, you would have to have gone along to it on a Friday evening. Now you can get your pass; you can pay for a mm. game. And the the way the things have come on so much, it, it's great. And and it's like I know I was chatting to Mark Scanlon a little while ago about this, and you know the standards have obviously gone up a lot. I think it's it's like anything. I remember when we DRO were in the first division when we started when they started streaming games first, and this was prior to TV, The clubs were all doing this off their own steam, yeah. and. At first, people were just glad to be able to see the matches. Then it was like, oh, there's no replays. Oh, there's no clock in the top corner of the screen. Yeah. And and so it goes. And then the latest thing, I suppose, is that you know commentary teams are biased against the team, the away team. And people are like, you know what I mean? So the longer these things go on, more and more faults will be found. But in terms of being able to watch matches, and I think in fairness, it's only the odd few people you'll have complaining by and large. But... For anyone a dairy supporter, for example, a couple of weeks ago could watch the draw the game without having to come down the road for yeah. it. And you know, okay, they can always listen to the, to their local radio stations as well as we would, would do here. But to have that facility now, and the fact that it took a pandemic for that to come about now, is is kind of strange. But it's a it's a great it's a great departure and it's great exposure for the league as well.
1: Oh, it's fabulous! I mean, credit to Mark and his team that they're really putting the league forward because it's been said. Fit there's a great product there; it just needed to be marketed correctly. Mm. I think you've just come back to your initial point. The fact LMFM have always been that traditional route, and have obviously done such a good job that now they've just been absorbed into LOI that we're going. You've a great product, we're going to take that, and we're going to use <laughs> yeah. it too. But it, it is fantastic, and I suppose the big worry at the time was it's it's going to affect attendances. People aren't going to go to yeah. games anymore, and they, and then they kind of had to try it in the in the pandemic because there was no option. But even now this year, attendances are a true roof. Every club in the league, their attendances are up 20%, 20, 25 30%. And still, the LOI is selling past. So mm. I, it's fantastic. I mean, I you, you're probably the same. I know we, we get tweets every week from people all over the world who are delighted watching matches. It could be 5 o'clock in the afternoon in Chicago yeah. or 2 o'clock in the morning in Dubai. Or there's always someone you're really jealous of sending you a picture. I'm watching this here somewhere yeah, on the beach yeah. or something. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's, it's showcasing what we have. And mm. And it is evolving, yeah. And the standards, like everything else, the standards ha- have gone up. Yeah, I mean, we've gone away from those pixel art cameras and to to one camera to now you've two cameras and yeah. you, you've, you've calm teams. And I think, in fairness, the the criticism I, I've read a bit of that about the biasness. I think most of them are are trying to be professional and trying mm. to give genuine opinions mm. and not trying to lean one way or the other. I I don't think again we're we'll, we'll plugging ourselves. I don't think. Either yourselves or myself, and agent, have, have have received that criticism. No, no, and I think like, I, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really ever go looking.
2: But I do, I do remember a couple of weeks ago. I think it might have been the dairy game, and I saw some guy had had replied to the dairy tweet saying, "Oh, he was a dairy fan," and he was like, "Oh, you know, I often be critical of the commentators, but the two throttle last tonight were excellent." Yeah. But then underneath that was like, "No, they weren't. They were awful." So you know, <laughs> 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 you can't win them you all. Can't, you have to take one with the other. But yeah, look, I think everyone is doing is doing a, a, a very good job on that, but just the way that it's come along as you said there and and again as well RT obviously have their allocation of matches but Virgin Media have jumped in and shown a couple of matches of late as well. I think RT actually had the shelburne Bows game on Friday night which was probably the worst game of the evening in terms yeah. of how it turned out but you're going to you're going to get that. But for me for myself I suppose like I feel like a little bit of a fraud sometimes because if you if you ask me 5 years ago I wouldn't have even been able to tell you who was in the Premier Division, who the champions were, because I, yeah. I would have come up from a GA background and not really have any interest in the League of Ireland. Yeah. And then I started working in the station. Obviously, I'm here a bit longer than that, but you're out covering matches. And and it's amazing how quickly, you know, you develop a, a love for it. Like anyone, any of us that love sport, but, you know, to be friends of mine down in Avon, I'd say to them, you should come along to a draw to match, you know, some evening. And they'd be kind of nearly looking at you funny, yeah. like, you know. And I still think there's a bit of... The, the kind of the county border sort of element going on there, particularly for people that are from a GAA background, like, sure, why would I be up to loud to watch a game or crossing over into the, you know, from yeah. going into for me then to why me don't have a team, so why would I support? But, you know, for me, it's been going to the matches now for six, seven years or whatever. It doesn't take very long before, you know, you don't even think about the standard now because the standard I think is really good, but it's not like you're going along and you're expecting Premier League football. You don't think of it that way, you know, you go along, you watch the game, there's gonna be some good games, gonna be some bad games, some great plays, some not so good play. But you're not you're never I'm never at a game where I think that the standard here is, is awful. Like you just you have good games, you have mm. bad games. And if people are going along with Premier League in their mind, that's probably not the way to do it. But I don't I don't think when you're at a game, you, any any game, like if you're at a junior A football mm. match in Mead or in Loud, you're watching it and you're you're taking it as on its merits as Johnny Giles would say, You're watching what's in front of you and you're it's you know, you'll get a good game, you'll get a bad game. So well, I think the standard, and I don't know, you, you've been around the league a lot longer than I have and you're watching the games a lot longer than me, but the standard at the minute, I think, is really, really good. And, you know, we only have to point to the draw a goal a couple of weeks ago against Shamrock Rovers to that see the ask, the, the, yeah. the standard of play there. Um, And I sent it on to a few mates of mine who wouldn't be into the League mm. of Ireland at all and they were, just a great goal, you know. But from your point of view, having been watching the, the league for so long now, where do you think it's at standard-wise? Do you think it's been kind of going up and up and up now or is it is this comparable to when, I suppose, the the peak for
1: draw to say in the mid-2000s when there was a lot of money floating around the league how do you look at it now? I think overall the league is definitely a higher standard than it has been I mean, you just got to look and I think it, it probably has been helped with, with the likes of Brexit happening and an awful lot of young lads can't go to England anymore and they're staying at home and they develop but you've got to look at the amount of effort and, and finances and resources the clubs are putting in now they all have, they all have these under underage academies structures are there so players are getting better developed better training the majority of the teams are full-time professionals. So the standard's going up. I mean, Drogheda probably been the exception. But they're probably still training, I don't know, you probably know better. I mean, they're probably still training four or five nights a week between match nights. I know when we were part-time at Drogheda, we were in Monday, Monday Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Sunday. I mean, they're still five days a week. as as a part-time player yeah the The
2: part-time thing
1: is something that kind of grates I think on the likes of Kevin Doherty where it's like we're part-time because
2: lads are working but we're still training and you only have to watch you said it yourself off off air the fitness levels so like if they weren't training regularly they wouldn't be at that level I think you're
1: doing them a a disservice calling them part-time players I mean maybe if you wanted to call players with with other jobs maybe but that's that's it but they're as professional as as anybody else their fitness levels have to be if they weren't they wouldn't be competing They, Mm. they wouldn't be there but I think at an overall pack, of the league is definitely a higher standard. I, 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 what we say it spread out a bit more. Yeah, like you had draw as you said in their pump, but they were head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah. You had Shelbourne and Bowes had had their yeah. times and done the, had but there was always one team streets ahead. But now anybody can beat anybody. Yeah. It just showed on Friday night. Yeah, because uh, every team has quality. Every team has players with that X factor. There's there's players coming back from England. It was unheard of. Yeah. I mean, I know we. When I was playing for what thirteen years, was maybe three or four lads, and there were kind of these marquee signings. of players. Carlton Palmer came back. I remember playing for Home Farm. The lads who were past it. They were kind of this this tokenistic thing. But you've players come back now, trying to make a name for themselves to go back to England to yeah. to, to, to further their careers it's great there is a good product there
2: yeah absolutely we'll take another quick commercial break back with more from John Flanagan in a moment hey, welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport David Sheen with you until 5 o'clock I can tell you Galway having been 12 points behind against uh, Dublin early in the second half in Crow Park have dug out a draw in that one so they will advance to the Leinster final and it's now all square between Wexford and Kilkenny it's Kilkenny 5-17 Wexford 4-20 remember Wexford need a draw or a win in that game to stay in the Liam McCarthy for next year so as things stand they will but uh, that game is swinging this Way and that so still uh, plenty of time for twists and turns in that one John Flanagan still with me as I said uh, John let's look at the League of Ireland season so far we're at the halfway point pretty much at this stage um, Dundalk you're watching the most weeks a disappointing result on Friday night and the thing I suppose that came out of that game was the Squad and Stephen O'Donnell and everybody were back in the dressing room for about a, an hour and twenty minutes after the game, or so, there or thereabouts. Anyway, Adrian was texting us about a quarter past eleven, saying he was still hanging on for the interview, and a few other journalists were there as well. And it was it was reported in the paper. Stephen O'Donnell, you know, was very quick to, to mention that it wasn't a, a ranting and raving session. Um, obviously we could only speculate as to what was being said. But have you ever been kept back in a dressing room after a game for not maybe for that length of time, but for uh, for twenty minutes or half an hour, or uh, for what they would call an inquest after a game?
1: Yeah, we've been held back a couple of times over the years, but I think there was plenty of ranting and raving and plenty of fighting. And and you're kind of wondering, especially with a team like Dundalk, that if it's not, it ties out a pram by Stephen O'Donnell, it's not a full-on argument, I think, what's the point in it? Mm. I mean, they were probably in yesterday morning for a cool-down session. They have plenty of facilities in, in the club, media rooms, this meeting room. that the, All that can be done then, if, if it's just a discussion. I'm sure he wasn't happy at all, because the one thing about Stephen, he was a warrior, he was a battler, he, he was a, a serial winner. And that's what seemed to me to be lacking on, on Friday night, was just that bit of steel, that bit of fight. And I'm sure he, he wasn't happy with how, how, how the game finished, and I'm sure he went in, and now I wouldn't say he's won maybe for, for throwing cups or kicking chairs, but I'd say there was a few home, home truths later.
2: We were talking about it earlier as well when you came in um, before we went on air and I was looking at the, the final game last season against Derry and okay, Dave McMillan's obviously retired. Runa Hauga is gone. Joe Adams is gone. Macari is gone. J- Gartland, as we know, retired. Um, who else was in there? Manuel Adigboyega, who's been uh, brilliant for Drada, was on the bench. Stephen Bradley was on the bench. He's gone. So you have a, a bit of a turnover in players, obviously, but then you've got injuries to Andy Boyle and Louis Annesley, who you mentioned started the first game of the season at centre-back and you thought they were going to be a really solid partnership. They've both been injured. Greg sloggett has been out, John Mountley, obviously, long-term. Um, a few players in on loan, a few new signings. And I suppose that the thing that I mentioned earlier as well is if everybody was available, and Stephen O'Donnell hasn't had a full hand to pick from uh, really for a lot of this season, but... Would you be able to name the, the the best Dundalk eleven yourself? You're watching them a
1: lot. I I think to be honest, it's a tough one. It, it, it's definitely tough because of some players they're not they're not to the finish articles. I know I've said it. Lots of people have said it about recruitment, and I think what what they're trying to say there is that in order for Dundalk to be challenging for titles or even for Europe, you need players to hit the ground running. Where due due to circumstances, where the financial and, and constraints. They've had to bring in player prospects that that will develop, and I think some of them have proven already with with the, with the running games that they're very good. But there has to be a bit of where you feel sorry for Stephen. He came in at the start of last season, pre- and had to start from scratch. Mm. And he done really well, got them into Europe this year. But it's a huge. He started from scratch again, yeah. and even from that position, I mean, you're, t- you're taking Andy Boyle and John Mountney out, out of your back four, and that's your there your two leaders. You're probably going to you hang your coat on them too. Greg Slogger is, is is a leader in the middle. Pat Hooven was missing for a long time. Who's the talisman of of the whole club? Mm. And some of these players come in. They're young. They they haven't had an awful lot of senior football, so they might be good this week. They'll be average next week. It, it's a bed and in process, and you got to develop partnerships. And that's why I said that Louis Ainsley played one game at left back, and he looked he looked all right. Next week he goes in and he played behind sorry beside Andy Boyle, and he looked fantastic. That partnership going that could be very very good. They'll develop, but then God love me, he, he got sick and he's out for a long time. Mm. And then there's Hayden Mullers in, and then Waziri Williams is in, and they, they haven't had time to gel. So you don't know how players are going to actually bond together or, or develop partnerships all mm. around the park. So I don't know whether you, Stephen, I don't, I, I don't know the best eleven at the dock, because I don't know enough of the players and and how they play together. Yeah, but when you're missing, you do feel sorry for me. You're missing Andy Boyle, Mountney, Sloggett, Hope. Yeah, the ones who, are the, as you said, the core. I mean, draw. We mentioned again, draw to have that core of lads that that drive on the standards. It's, it's, you, feel, you feel for him.
2: Yeah, and I mean, looking at the table, so we're 18 games in, so we're at the halfway point really in the season. Um, 26 points from their from their 18 games. They're, they're three points back from St. Pat's. They're only four back from Bohemians who, you know, have started the season really well. The last month for both hasn't been great and it's starting to look like Darien and Shamar Hovers will be the two again to, to beat, but... The way the season has gone, it's been so topsy turvy. Draw beat Shamrock Rovers a couple of weeks ago. They hadn't won draw prior to that, before or, or since they beat Derry away. So yeah. they, their last two wins before the UCD game come against the two top teams. And um, you know, Derry then go down to well, Cork beat Rovers on Friday. Derry then have an opportunity to open before point cap yesterday, and Sligo they get beaten one nil. So it's a very it's a very tumultuous season and. You know Dund- Dundalk had that four-game winning run there, and they kind of came off the rails a little bit since then. But everyone's beating everyone. All it takes is a little bit of a run of form, and you're you're back in contention. And as you said, there get a couple of injuries back and a bit more of a settled lineup. So it's not it's far from all doom and gloom from from Dundalk. And as you said, yeah. the turnover from last year. I think it was towards the end of last season, where only two players had been signed at that stage, and there was a little bit of um, uncertainty around. So you know it's it's far from you know as I say doom and gloom for Dundalk.
1: Yeah, I mean, Stephen will say he, he, he's he's, he's, try, he's trying not to focus on the week-by-week picture. He's looking at, at the development of of the team, the club, the whole structure in in a long-term view. And I suppose you look at it in isolation. Previous to, to, the, to the winning four games in a row, they'd lost three in a row. So it, it's it's yeah. very, very topsy turvy. And we mentioned again, if you're not on your game on any particular day, anybody in that division can beat you. Yeah. I mean, that suffered. And the thing with Drada never... They, never, they haven't got a hammering. They, they, they're always in every game, really. And then they've gone and beaten the two best clubs in, in the league. I mm. think Rovers and Derry were always seen as the front runners. I think people maybe expect them to be further ahead at this point. Like Rovers started very slowly. Did, did they win one out of the first four or five games? I think it was seven. They, yeah, seven, was it? One, yeah. But then they t- they've gone and won six in a row. Or and then they got beaten, obviously, a couple. But it, it, it seems to be a tighter league than, it, than, it, than we expected. So... I, from a dog perspective first of all I think there will be ups and downs I think if they get that settled team back and get everybody back there'll be a bit more st- structure there'll be a bit more consistency with it and hopefully come the end of the season that they're knocking on that door for Europe but again they have European games that's going to come towards the end of the summer where you're going to need that bigger squad where you're yep. going to need the resources and, and they can do it without the injuries out again Drogheda are, I think Drogheda's performances I feel are very very consistent I think the one thing on we we mentioned it earlier on the one thing that we Kev can rely on every week is every one of his players will give every they'll go in the sword from every week, mm. and they have some they have some serious quality. That goal you mentioned, I, I, I watched it myself. If that was in the Premier League, to be raving about it, it was as good. And, and I almost got one similar later on in the game with, yeah. with the chip was just over the bar. So. If draw and I've said this at the start and I'll hang my coat on. It, if draw can keep that core players that they will have no issues staying up this year. Mm. And you would have seen them against uh, Dundalk at Oriel, where you would have been doing it with Adrian. I
2: was I was watching it on LOITV and honestly, I kind of knocked it off early in the second half. They were two 0 down. Gary Deegan had just got sent off. It wasn't looking great. Then the next thing, they're back to all and Dundalk score a, a late winner. But again, even on that winning run at Dundalk run, they weren't they weren't playing playing great, but they were they were getting the results. But and I, and I suppose again, from Drotter's point of view, the opposite. They were playing well, they weren't getting the results. And then on Friday, they didn't play great against UCD, but they got the win. And Kevin wasn't really too concerned about how they got it. But the thing, the thing that Kevin has said after most games, they haven't playing well, they haven't been getting the results. But his kind of mantra is, we can't afford to to not be at our at our peak because if we aren't at a hundred percent you know, at 100% they'll be competitive, but if they're below that, they could get the, the beating that you suggested they haven't had yet, But and they haven't, but that's that's where they're kind of at, so maybe that spurs these lads on, but they as you said, consistency is the word for God, the performances are very consistent, the results always haven't come, but for what they're working off, and I mentioned to you the Shamrock Rovers match, Adam Foley was the only senior player on the bench, so they had so many injuries and a few suspensions like most teams do, but they're working off a much smaller squad, so what they're doing, as you're saying so far, is 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 quite impressive. And you're confident enough they'll be they'll be okay if they keep going the way they're going.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you, we we, said, we mentioned it already, Kevin. I mean, he's a lovely guy. He's a great guy to talk to. And he, he, when he did, when you were interviewing, he's very honest. He's very open. He he says it as it is. But but the one thing he seems to just instill that will to win in them. And even if it's not going well for them, as you mentioned that game in Dundalk and Gary got sent up, they all just dug in. Do you know I mean it's kind of there was no straps? There was no one. Ah, we've lost our leader here. They all roll up the sleeves. They got stuck in it and they battle. And hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And and to me, that that's draw that's draw. That and Dundalk at the minute for me, yeah. Where Dundalk probably on paper maybe have the better squad or the more ability, but they seem to be wanting to play nice football and they're missing a little bit of, a little bit of steel that that. That bit of nastiness, you know, that kind of but but Drogheda, never ever lacking in in the work rate or the effort department.
2: Not that I want to uh, for any uh, in any way associate Gary Deegan with the word nasty because you just mentioned it there. <laughs> but I remember we did the game. I think Adrian was away maybe last season. We did the game between Dundalk and Drogheda at Oriel last year, and uh, you had said to me Gary Deegan is actually a sort of player that Dundalk are, are crying out for Do you still think that's the case? They need someone like him in the
1: centre of midfield. Yeah, I do. I mean, Chris Shields was 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 that player for years. He hasn't been replaced. They've lots of good players. Don't, don't get me wrong. There's Lots of good, good footballing players, but they haven't got that someone who's just going to, when needs be, grab your own player and say, "Listen, this isn't good enough," mm. and just d- demand more. I, I think I don't know if yourself or you you know, or someone. if 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 you ask Google to do a uh, defensive midfielder, they won't be too far away from what what pops out. No. And I mean, it's, it's it's simple what he does in terms of his, He'll get it. He'll keep it. He'll keep the. He's always an option but it's his passion, it's his determination, he inspires those around him. Yeah. He he lets the likes of Darren Markey and Dale Rooney go and express themselves because, you know, we have that safety blanket and, I mean, you've got to give the man credit. I mean, he's older than me, <laughs> but he, he's in fantastic shape and he he is he's just a leader. Yeah. Absolutely, he's been
2: brilliant. Listen, John, it's been absolutely fantastic. It's ten to four already. Where did that hour go? Um, but uh, it's been brilliant to having you. And we'll have to get yourself maybe get yourself and Paul in some yeah. other time. We might have to go for two hours <laughs> on that occasion. But thanks, John Flanagan, so much for popping in. It's been great having you. LMFM Sunday Sport with thanks to the LMFM
0: app. Download
2: for free now and take us with you everywhere you go.